Well, I want to um, kick off the new year with a message about how to be blessed this year. Now, before you say anything, no, I haven't fallen off the chair in my study, hit my head, and become a charismatic or a Joel Osteen follower. The Bible actually has a lot to say about being blessed by God. And it surely doesn't mean what the prosperity preachers peddle, but some of the most well-known verses in all of the Bible and all the New Testament have to do with, with being blessed, the Beatitudes, the, the blesseds from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they'll be filled. We learn the concept of blessing from a, from a little child. Prayers of a child usually include the concept of blessing. Bless mommy and daddy and bless Aunt Jennifer and sissy. And we, we ask God to bless our time around the, around the dinner table. Father, bless this, this meal as I put my suit on this morning, I may need him to withhold some of those blessings over the next couple of weeks to recover from all the stuff that I ate the last few few weeks of celebrating. In fact, some of the most significant moments in the Bible involve God using the concept of blessing at creation, right? I mean, from the very beginning, we've been working before the holidays through the foundation series, talking about how... The, the book of Genesis lays the foundation for the whole Bible. And in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 22, the first occurrence of this concept of blessing, God blessed the sea creatures and the birds, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply in the earth. And then in verse 28, he said out of us, right? Adam and Eve, human beings, be, be fruitful. He blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. Exercise dominion over creation. When God called Abraham, Abram, in chapter 12, to go to the land that he didn't, he had never been to, that he didn't know, the promised land, he promised to bless him, doesn't he? In fact, he said that through Abraham, through the blessing that God would give to Abraham, the whole world would be blessed. Blessing is it's a concept in the Bible. God blessed Abraham whenever he offered Isaac. Blessing was spoken not just by God, but by others. It was spoken from parents to their children. In Genesis 27, when Isaac was ready to die, he pronounced blessing upon his, his children. May God give you the heaven's dew and the earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. And then he would go on speaking to Jacob. His son. So what does the Bible mean about blessing? We hear blessed are the, and we hear bless you whenever somebody sneezes. What does the Bible have to say about blessing? And is it possible? Does the Bible say anything about us receiving blessing? Well, if you take all of the verses together, I try to figure out how could you summarize the concept of both God blessing his creation, God telling us we are blessed when we obey, the blessing of parents to fathers. I would summarize it this way. You bring those verses together. Blessing is the declaration of goodwill and, and happiness that toward another person. It's a declaration of, of goodwill. When God said, 
And He blessed His creation. And He declared to them, be fruitful and multiply. It was a declaration of goodwill and happiness. A blessed person, then, is one whose God's goodwill rests upon and happiness that comes through that. God's favor and God and happiness that comes from, from that. We just celebrated Christmas in the angels. Talked about the goodwill of God because the Savior was born on whom God's good pleasure rests. God's original design in creation was for His creatures to experience blessing. But sin ruined that and the fall came. And so it's possible not to have the blessing of God. That was the original intent. It was for His entire creation to be blessed. And to have blessings. So, so when, when the Bible tells us today, blessed are the, or we say we bless you, we're asking God to restore His favor that was taken by sin in the fall. When, when we read in the Bible as we will this morning, and we talked about being, being blessed, we're, it's the concept of God restoring His favor and the happiness that comes from God's favor that was taken by sin in the fall. And surely that can involve material things, like you will hear some on the TV say. But material blessings we enjoy are temporary. And, and spiritual blessings that God has in mind expand or go far beyond time and includes the immaterial as well. So today I'm going to show you a path through the Bible that leads to blessing. And I'm entitling it the Beatitude of the Psalms. The Beatitudes of the Psalms. You know the Beatitudes in the New Testament. I want to take you through the Beatitudes in the Psalms. And we're going to move pretty fast. And you're going to take notes and you're going to go back and study a number of these things. But God's also going to speak to you today from, from probably a handful of them. There are ten that we're going to see this morning, and you know that I have a hard time getting through three. So you pray as we go through ten of them this morning. We will go rapid fire. And you and I both know we can't completely undo the fall here on earth. Even in Christ, the, the fall is not completely undone right now. I mean... We still have sickness, we still battle the flesh, we, we still have the world, the flesh, and the devil, as the Bible tells us. Now, in Christ, one day all of things, all things will be made new and, and restored when redemption takes place, and we get a new body and a new heaven and a new earth. But while we can't completely undo the fall, we can experience a blessed life in Christ and look forward to the day. So, we're going to see that in the book of Psalms. Open your Bibles, if you would, to to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. There are actually, if you look at the book of Psalms, there are 25 Beatitudes in the book of Psalms. I say book of Psalms because there are actually five books, and we usually use that phrase, but the proper term is a psalm. There's book 1, Psalm 1 through 41, and on and on. There's at least one beatitude in every, in every book. One blessed are the in every book of the, of the psalm. And Psalm 1 is actually the preamble. We the people, right? The Constitution. The preamble that's there. The very beginning. How the book of Psalms, how the worship manual kicks itself off, it begins with a beatitude. Look at this. Blessed is the man who does these things. And he lists 
those statements. Just as Proverbs tells us its purpose, right in the chapter 1, its writing is to make us wise. Psalm, this first book, the book of Psalms, Israel's worship manual tells us it was written so that we can find blessing, at least one of the purposes. So, how to be a blessed person. There are ten categories I'm going to give you here. How to be a blessed person in any year, and surely in 2015. And the first one is found right here in chapter 1. Unplug from the world and plug into God. If I would summarize what Psalm 1 says, I would say unplug from the world and plug into God. If you want to find blessing, this favor from God and happiness that follows, you have to avoid ungodly sources of influence and you have to increase the guidance of God in your, in your life. Blessed are those who unplug from the world and plug into God. Look at what Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 said. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So there is the the idea of unplugging from the world or reducing the influence of the world. Look at verse 2. But, here's the contrast, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The psalmist prays, God, keep me in the path of the godly and the righteous instead of the path of sinners. What does he mean by path? He means by following their influence. Keep me from the influence of of the ungodly and the world. And may my heart delight in your word. That's what he's saying. A person who's blessed is a person who's who who doesn't follow after the influence of the world, but is influenced on a regular basis by God. It says he delights in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. So there's the concept of, of influence. It's a pretty good prayer, isn't it? If blessing is favor from God, happiness that was taken by the fall, then surely we aren't going to, to find happiness looking to a fallen world for how to think or what to enjoy. You won't find blessing. You're not going to find the path of of blessing from people who don't follow Christ. And if you want God's truth, which is where you'll find the blessing, if you want that in your mind, you have to be intentional. I would guess on the... There's the idea of what's, what's caught, and then there's the idea of what you intentionally pursue. I would say the vast majority of influence that we get on a daily basis from the world, from Facebook, from TV, from, from radio, whatever it is, I would say the vast majority of it is, is fallen, is worldly. Wouldn't you agree? What you, what you get this morning, you're pursuing. You have to be intentional about that. So you have to reduce somehow that influence that's being bombarded, that's, that's trying to conform you to the image of, of, of the world. And you have to pursue what will transform or renew your mind. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Not rocket science, but it's, it's there. One of the ways I'm going to apply this is to take a media fast. I'm going to unplug for a period of time and replace that time with something that will, that will point me to Christ. 
I haven't decided what that will be. I don't know whether I'm going to going to read through a specific book while I while I unplug. Now, of course, the media is is not the is not the problem. It's what we do with it. But if I want to be blessed, I have to to not walk, not stand, not sit, and and that's that's coming into my life on a on a regular basis. I have to to limit that. I've got to reduce the influence and increase the influence of the world and increase the influence of God. You should try that with me. If you want to, you see me after church, you send me an email, we'll hold one another accountable. Take, take three days, take a week, take a month, and turn off Facebook, turn off Spotify, turn off the TV, and replace it with God's Word. And see if something doesn't change in your life. Are you dry? <laughs> Do, 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 you, do you want more of God's influence? Maybe you don't want more of God's influence of your life. Pastor Stephen pointed us to the fact that God's the one who even gives us the desire to love Him to begin with from the book of Philippians this morning. Where do you start? You start by reducing the influence from the outside world and increasing the influence of, of God. Let me give you the second one. Blessed are those who develop a reflex of turning to the Lord for help. That's found in Psalm 2. Verse 1, Psalm 34, 8, Psalm 40 and 4, and Psalm 146, verse 5. There's a bunch of them up there. I had the guys put the verses up there for you because I know it's very difficult to turn to 25 different psalms in, in the Bible. You want to be blessed? You follow these, these things. See what God does in your life. Blessed are those who develop a reflex of turning to the Lord for help, Psalm 2.1. Why do the heathens rage and the, and the people plot vain things? And he goes on in chapter 2, and he talks about being blessed. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Psalm 40 and verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he... Who has God, who has the God of Jacob as his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. All of those Psalms point to turning to God. And I say developing a reflex where that happens. Everybody in here knows when you're in trouble, you're supposed to turn to God. What I'm asking you is, is that your reflex? Or do you have to go through ten other things until you finally get turned to God because God puts the bitter the bridle in your mouth? Is your reflex turned to God? If you want to have that favor and, and happiness, you develop that reflex. It's Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's not a casual sampling. Like you go to Sam's whenever you're hungry at lunch and you graze over the free samples. That's not what that verse means. It might be implied that way with the English translation, taste and see, like sample the Lord. That's not what it's saying. It's the idea of someone who, who's learned to go to God for refuge. It's a person in, who has the reflex to look to God. He's their refuge. He's their, he's their hope. He's their help. He's the first place that they go when anything comes up in in life, wouldn't you say that 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 the next year, if God allowed you to live, would be better if you would develop the reflex to automatically turn to God rather than turn to anger or turn to someone else or turn to some worldly way? Yeah, you would. 
You ever been to the doctor? You remember when you go to the doctor as a kid? I had the meanest family doctor on the planet whenever I was growing up. Dr. Bill Krigger. I can say that because he's dead now. But anyway, he would, he would take your ear and he would pull it out as far as he could and he'd stick that otoscope or whatever, I mean, way down in there. And he knew when he got where he was supposed to get whenever you would squeal. I mean, that's, that's how rough this guy was. West Virginia doctor, I don't know, maybe he was a veterinarian as well, but I sure didn't like the way he treated me. And I remember as a kid, he'd go in there, he'd set you up on the, you know, on the table, and they pull that, that white paper out, and he'd take that little hammer out, and it had a chain on it. And he'd, what was he going to do with that? Man, if he hurt my ear that way, what's he going to beat me? And he'd, he'd tap you, and your leg would go out, right? It's a reflex. I can remember, wow, that's neat. You go home and do it. Cross your, you know, some of you after church today are going to be sitting in your easy chair. And you'll be trying to hit your, hit your leg. Your leg just flies up. That's the idea of a reflex. A person that, that I'm talking about here is someone whose spiritual reflex is so trained that, that when anything comes, they immediately run to the Lord. They don't count to ten. They, they cry out to Christ. If they go to their happy place, their happy place is alone with Jesus. Is that your spiritual reflex? Or do you have another reflex that might be there? When ill wind blows, when financial need comes, when emotions take over, or worse. Take all things to Him. Be blessed. Reduce the bad influence, increase God's influence. And then train yourself to look to Him. Let me give you the third one. Oh, how true this is. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Isn't that true? Psalm 31. Here is, is the psalm of, of David. Psalm 31 goes into Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verse 1. I guess I gave him the wrong verse. Psalm 32, verse 1. You know it. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Blessed is the man whose willful violations of God's law are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose falling short before God is covered, whose wandering wicked heart is not attributed to his record. If you want to have any blessing, you want to have any happiness, any joy, you have to know you're right with God, right? You can't find peace if you're not at peace with the one who made you. If you, if you know the Lord, you can't find joy and, and walk with Him. If you're hiding like Adam, you're trying to, to pretend there's not something wrong in your life. And there's only one remedy for that situation. Psalm or Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes it will find mercy. You must confess and repent. You must acknowledge your failing, your transgression, your rebellious heart. And you start with God and then you move out to man. Whatever that scope of, of sin is. And then you repent, you forsake, you turn, you, you change your mind about. Now don't miss the order that, that we're given here in in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes. 
confesses and forsakes. Confession comes first and then the forsaking. Now, I don't mean there's some long period of time between the two. They happen simultaneously. But, but the point is, the first thing you do is acknowledge your sin before you turn from your sin. And it, and it happens, I understand, all at the same time. But if you'll not acknowledge your sinfulness, you'll never forsake it. And I don't know if that's sin or not. Well, you're not going to forsake that. Yes, that's sin against you and you alone, Lord. I'm going to forsake that. If you want to be blessed, you've got to turn to Christ. You've got to forsake sin. You have some failure, some attitude, some sinful practice that you need to confess or forsake. Let me give you number four. Oh, this one's just as true as a person who's blessed to have their sins forgiven. Be a giver and not a taker. Be a giver and not a, a taker. Blessed is the man who considers the helpless and the, and the poor. The word consider is, is Hebrew for, for, for masculine. It's it's a masculine of David. It's a it's a it's a contemplation, a wrong-headed approach based upon emotions can be more damaging than helpful. Whenever you're dealing with poverty or weakness or whatever it is, you need to be wise. You need to be perceptive dealing with those in need. But God blesses those who take the opportunity to to stand up for the weak. Care for those who can't care for themselves. You'll never find blessing being a stingy person. You'll never find happiness living to get. And some people it just comes natural. We were watching Dolphin Tail 2 last night at my house, and at the very end, any of you seen Dolphin Tail, Dolphin Tail 2 at the very end, it shows the actual place down in Clearwater. Where you know it's about the it's about the disabled dolphin where they they put a fin on it and and it's a place that disabled children go and and you know it's the last three to five minutes and it's heart tugging you're sitting there you're watching these these children without limbs you know watch the dolphin and I turned to Tracy and, and I said I said I know a person if they watched that they'd give money to to that dolphin aquarium because that's just the way they are. They're just a giver. They're just, it's natural. If there's a need, they give. It's just the way that it is. And they're blessed because of that. And one of the, thing in, one of the things in life that tests you more purely than anything else is how much you give to or fight for, for those who can give you nothing in return. If you can get nothing, that's a real test of your heart. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting but the true test is, is what do you do? How do you give? What do you do for somebody who can do nothing for you? It's not really a test if, if you show favor to somebody who can show favor back. We're considering some radical changes in 2015 in, in this area. Are you planning on doing that? Are you thinking about 2015? Are you evaluating what you've given in 2014 instead of 2015 I want to do more, I want to do something different, or I want to do it again. You should be. This is a new start. A new start, we throw off the old, we confess the sins that are there, we get a new beginning. But part of that's evaluation. And it's not just a new start, it's, it's a new way of doing things 
as well. Give your influence. Psalm 137, verses 8 and 9. Very fascinating. I didn't know what to do with this one. It says, O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy is the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rocks. I'm like, wow. God is saying... Happy or blessed is the one who brings vengeance, kills your children. So how am I going to weave that into a beatitude in the Psalms? But it's there. It's actually affirming a blessing to those who get to right wrongs while they're on the earth. These individuals are blessed because they're an instrument of divine judgment. God's going to right the wrongs that, that were done by Babylon. And the people that he uses to right those wrongs are blessed because they're an instrument from the Lord. And so that's the key. It's affirming blessing to those who get to right wrongs while they're on the earth. All wrongs will be made right in heaven. There won't be anything that won't be made right when you get to heaven. But God uses people on the earth as, as a means of correction and means of judgment. How would you apply that? I would say he wants you to seek justice. We're to live as people who seek to make right things that are wrong in our lives, in our world. And if you get a chance to do good, to speak out, to make right or wrong, I think God wants you to do it. And don't just assume it's somebody else's job. Do it yourself. And you'll be blessed. I'll give you number five. Oh, this is a good one. Blessed are those who attend church. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm not just making some topical message to hit all of the things that I want you to start doing in 2015. This really did come from the book of Psalms. There are three Beatitudes in Psalm 84. And no other psalm contains three blessings other than Psalm 84. And all of them speak about the blessing of gathering before God with His people. Psalm 84.4, how blessed are those, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the, to the highways of Zion. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Verse 4 talks about those serving in the temple. Verse 5 addresses the pilgrimage to the temple, those who are headed to the temple. And verse 12 it talks about those who are too far to get to the temple, and yet they trust in the Lord. All four of those beatitudes have to do with, with gathering with God's people. I mean, think about it. If you want to find blessing in your life, you have to look toward the church. We don't have the, the temple anymore. This is the, this is the church. This is the body of, of Christ. There's no other program, no other organization, no other society that God has ordained and promised to bless other than the church, period. Lots of good things. But if He's promised to bless the church, don't you think it would be a logical conclusion to think you'll find blessing being there? So in 2015, you want blessing? Evaluate. Evaluate your attendance, your participation, your service. I mean, you can't have blessing from the church unless you come. And you can't come and receive a, a blessing unless you participate in it. All right, I'm going to come because I'm supposed to come and get a blessing. 
That's not going to work. You've got to participate. You've got to pursue. And if you participate, the blessing will be short unless it's shared with serving, unless you're involved. Find a way to make the gathering with God's people a priority. I understand lives are busy. I have, I have five kids and a bunch of other responsibilities. I'm busy. I get it. But every person, there's no reason why, unless you, you have a work situation or something crazy, why you cannot be at least at two services a week. I mean, really, there's no reason why you can't be. And every person should be part of a Sunday school. I mean, we're talking about starting a new one in the first part of 2015. And maybe you've been out and maybe you want to be part of the launch of that new Sunday school class. If you do, you come and see me and you can start that way. You won't even have to go back to the place that you, that you, you laid out from. We'll give you a fresh start, a brand new class. Nobody will even know that you missed, all right? Let me give you number six. Blessed are those, forgive me, James Dobson, who focus on their family. All right? Psalm 127, verse 4. We read this passage all the time. Read this passage all the time, and we do parent dedications. It talks about a person who's blessed, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, so are children of one's youth. You're blessed. It's all about family and God's blessing. It contains the beatitude. How blessed is the man who has his quiver full of children. They're a gift from God. Now Solomon's the writer. And he knows a few things about children and family, doesn't he? His refusal to do what God commanded and his desire to live for himself brought wives who led his heart away from God. One of my quivers going right there, who's a blessing. His inattentiveness produced a son, Rehoboam, who reduced the glory of the temple that Solomon was used to build and increased idolatry. Solomon has a few things to tell us about laboring without, apart from God. He knew the heartache of coming to the end of his life and realizing he lived for futile things. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He, he's, he would say pursuing life for its own pleasures is like chasing the wind. It's like trying to catch the wind. And he says here in Psalm 127, it's vain to rise up early, retire late, eat the bread of painful labors, unless it's for Christ. And this is about laboring in the right place, in the right way. And, and he emphasizes the family. It's here. You'll be blessed. Focus on your family. Be a godly husband. Be the man that God called you to be. I know you've failed a hundred times in the past. Be a man. Step up. Lead your family. Love your children. Do what God would command you to do. Be a Christ-honoring wife. I know he's a knothead. Submit to him anyway. The Lord loves him just like you're supposed to love him. Quit playing too much. Quit watching TV. Quit the things that take you away from what's important. Quit your job if you, if, you, if you have to. Whatever it takes so that God's priority is the first priority in your life. And after your church, your family is your first priority. You'll find blessings there. Let me give you number seven. 
My clock says 11.34. I don't think I've preached seven points at 11.34 in my life. Number seven, those who pursue a holy life. Blessed are those who pursue a holy life. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord. How blessed are those who keep justice and and practice righteousness. And in all of these psalms, the, the psalmist ties fearing the Lord with doing right. Fear the Lord, do right. Fear the Lord, do right. And if you want to be blessed, you have to have a right view of God, and a right view of God will lead to right living. And the psalmist is not talking about obeying God because you're afraid He's going to get you. That's a wrong view of God. If your view of God is, I'm going to obey God because God's going to get me, that's a wrong view of God. Fearing the Lord is revering Him, is, 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 is a great desire to honor Him for who He is. You get who God is. You realize He's the Lord of hosts. And you want to live in such a way that you, that you desire to follow Him. If you want to be blessed, you have to have fear of the Lord, and that will lead to a holy life, right? Be holy. Why? Because that's the way you get to heaven? Be holy because I am holy. You want to be like Him. You want to please Him because He's changed you. I was thinking about the weddings this past week, and one of the weddings I did this past year, the couple was from BJ, and they were here last week. Bob Jones Sr. said, do right, though the stars fall, do right. Jay Adams said, if you do right, you'll feel right. If you do right, you'll feel right. If you think right about God, it'll motivate you to do right. If you do right, you'll feel right. Number eight. I told you there's too much to take in one sermon. You have to go back and look it up and meditate this week. But God has no doubt spoken to you through a few of them. Those who embrace the Lord's discipline. Blessed are those who embrace the Lord's discipline. Here's one of the other Beatitudes on the 25. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, you discipline, O Lord, and teach out of your law. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, literally, and whom you teach the kindness of God that comes from, from the joy of obedience and His mercy that comes from correcting us whenever we don't. The psalmist ties discipline or chastening to teaching in this verse. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, whom you chasten, whom you discipline, and you teach from your law. The purpose of God's chastening is a blessing. What a blessing it is that God doesn't throw us away when we go the wrong way. He would, he could crush us, he could punish us for retribution, he could pay us back for what we deserve. But this psalm says anytime God brings discipline, unpleasant things in our lives, it's to bless us. His intention is not evil, it's good. Hebrews 12 says it's one of the evidences that you're even saved. You're his. And one of the ways that the blessing comes, a restoration comes, back to the way it was before the fall, to the extent that that can happen. On the earth, this side of heaven. You'll find blessing if you embrace the discipline of the Lord and look for His lessons in it. I would say there's probably a number of disciplines that come in my life 
that I don't get the blessing or the benefit from because I'm oblivious to the fact that their discipline is from the Lord. I'm just, get me out of this situation. I don't have time for this. You ever done that? And yet, whenever I go, hmm, is the Lord trying to teach me something here? I usually find the Lord's teaching me something here. It's not always fun to fail. And I understand when you do, even when you tried hard to please the Lord, the natural tendency is to throw up your hands and say, I, you know, I tried all I'm going to try. I'm not going to try anymore. This verse says, it's not God's abandoning you if He brings you to that place. It's because He loves you. He wants to teach you from His law. And His law is a delight. Oh, number nine. Some of you need to pay close attention to number nine. Brother Ashton does not. Number nine. Blessed are those who worship with joy. Huh. Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Now, Psalm 89, the background is the Davidic covenant. And if you go to Psalm 89 and look, the writer is a Levite. It's, it's Ethan. It's likely a Levite, a worship leader. And he's writing about how God will bring to pass His promises to His people and those who are redeemed, and the ones that know that, they rejoice. This, how blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. The joyful sound is a shout for joy. It's, it's the blow of the trumpet, God calling God's people to, to worship. He's saying people who worship God freely and joyfully are blessed. Amen. How true that is. Don't be fake, but don't be a stick in the mud. Right? Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. There's great theology in that song. Shout for joy. Put your emotions into it. Don't think being spiritual means being stoic. That's right. See, I told you Ashton didn't need it. Number ten. Those who grow in their grasp of the grace of God. Blessed are those who grow in their grasp of the grace of God. Psalm 65, verse 4. Psalm 33, verse 12. We're all talking about the grace of God. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house and in your your temple. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and it's the nation Israel, the people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. And that's all grace. Both of those passages are talking about, about grace. If you want to be blessed in 2015, focus on the grace of God. Focus more on the grace of God than your own sin. Focus more on the grace of God than the sin of others. Focus more on the grace of God operating. Look for the grace of God in people rather than their failures and their sins. And you'll be blessed. 
the grace of God that brought you near. Can there be anybody like little Jack Horner who sat in the corner and he stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I. Is there any Christian that can repeat that? He pulled you up out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock. He washed you from your filthy iniquity and rebellion and made you like a saint before the Lord because of the blood of Christ. That's grace. You focus on the grace of God and you'll be a blessed person. You focus on your sin, the sin of others. You focus on failures. You're going to be an unhappy person in 2015. B.R. Lakin said... There's some people who come to church, look like they have a Bible under one arm and a tombstone under the other. Don't come to church looking like you've been sucking on a prune or a persimmon. Be happy in the Lord. Amen? The grace of God will make you happy. Well, my clock says 1143 and I got through 10 points. That's the grace of God. Bow your heads. your opportunity in the service to evaluate. I know it's a lot. And you go back and if you need a copy of that list, we'll be happy to send it to you. A couple of the verses that were there. I gave them the wrong ones. We'll get the right ones to you. But no doubt, the Lord spoke to your heart in some way. He, he applied His Word The Spirit illuminated something. It's a topic of message. Exhortation. Did God exhort you in some way this morning? That's not me. That's the Lord. He who confesses and forsakes will find mercy. You start by saying, Lord, I know, I acknowledge, oh God, I need a new start there. Would you help me? He will. He's good. He's not like he's not like anybody. He's not like a human being. He's not even like you. I think a lot of times we doubt the Lord because we know our own hearts. Don't evaluate the Lord by the way you'd respond. Evaluate the Lord by the way He says He'll respond. Blessing comes from God and it's available to us if we pursue it. And no, it's not going to be like before the fall, but it can be new in Christ. And oh, it's going to be... Heaven's going to be way better than the way it was before the fall. You have a chance today for a fresh start. There's forgiveness for failures of sin in the past, and there's help for the future. You come to Him. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Turn to Him. He won't turn you away. The master you serve now is evil and wicked. Sin hates you, promises you things that it doesn't deliver. Christ is a good master. He gives you much more than you even ask or deserve. Father, as we come before you, I thank you for, Lord, some targets that you've given me. I thank you for Dr. Bill Barrick who, as I was studying Psalm 1, pointed out to me that there were 25 Beatitudes and it led me even down this path. Thank you for the freedom to preach it. Thank you for the work of your Spirit you're doing even now in people. 
help them to follow through. Not New Year's resolutions. Surrenders to Christ and His Word and His Spirit. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.